Hello and welcome to Meldon Law and Friends, a service of Meldon Law, a statewide law firm with its primary office in Gainesville and also with offices in South Florida covering the entire Tri-County area from Miami-Dade through Broward through Palm Beach County and also with an office now in its 26th year in Marion County in Ocala. My name is Chris Qualman and I'm happy to be joined by Jeffrey Meldon, president and founder of the firm. And uh, Jeffrey, what is this now? Episode 15? It's 16. 16. <laughs> it, it's really amazing that uh, we've gone as long as we have, and uh, it's been a lot of fun and very informative. Yeah, and I think we're only getting started, Chris. I think you're right about that. And, uh, you know, we've certainly from the start, it's been your vision that we want this to be a community-oriented show, informational with great guests. Today is no exception, and we'll get to introducing our guest in a second, but uh you, let's talk about the, the Super Bowl real quick from last week. We've been talking about it for weeks and weeks, and you got to be happy about what happened. Yeah, we our Florida team won. Uh, our, our special guest today is Jeff Cardozo, uh, who's a sports announcer, and uh, I'd like to get you to uh, uh, chime in on what you thought about the uh, Tampa Bay win over Kansas City. You, you and Tom Brady are the same age. You probably could have gone out there and <laughs> more, uh, as, as good as he's doing it. It's incredible to, to be able to do that. I mean, think about that. Seven times he's won. So that's more than any other franchise in the history of the NFL. So pretty special stuff. Uh, really cool to, to see it happen in Tampa. And you know, think about what's now happened in our state. Not only did they win, the Lightning won in, in hockey. They won the Stanley Cup. And then the Rays were in the World Series. So for the, the big three, so to speak, three out of the four are really, really good. All I know is we stopped our good friend, Alex Marvez. I know you're watching out there, Alex, from the NFL <laughs> Network. And we had him on the show twice. And he predicted the Chiefs were going to win. And, uh, hey, we stuck to our guns. He, he didn't say he didn't <laughs> want Tampa to win. He just said from an analyst standpoint, he thought Kansas City would be favored. And in fact, it was amazing that Tampa Bay uh, held uh, Kansas City without a touchdown. I, I couldn't believe it. it, if, it was you, if you would have gone to Vegas mm -hmm. and said, I'm betting on Tampa Bay uh, holding <laughs> Kansas City without a touchdown, I bet you could have gotten 20 to 1 out. Well, I'd, I'd be on a yacht instead of talking to you guys right now. <laughs> but, uh, well, what's nuts about that, it's 55 Super Bowls, and that's only happened three times where a team has been held without a touchdown. So my Dolphins, incredible. I remember, 24-3 against uh, against Dallas the first time they Very played yeah. in 1971. I was heartbroken. But then they won back-to-back -back after they that. did. So let's formally introduce our guest. Uh, you may not know his face. Many of you might, but you know his voice. Jeff Cardozo, you do so many different things. Uh, the voice of uh, Gator Baseball, a former Gator pitcher yourself. You, you work with a local golf course, Ironwood Golf Course. You're the, the voice on the PA system at the O'Connell Center. What have I missed? I'm sure there's yeah, quite a few other no, things. There's a lot, but it, it's fun. <laughs> you know, I think to, to be able to have this opportunity to be in Gainesville and, and kind of get a little niche now in, in what this community is, it means so much to me. And I think that's why I respect mm -hmm. what, what you guys are doing with the community so much because I, I was a Gator fan growing up. You know, South Florida guy that came up to Gainesville. Both my parents went to Florida and and I got the opportunity to, to play here and pitch here, and then you know, just I ended up having a couple of shoulder surgeries, and now what am I going to do? And then just kind of found it, and now 20, 25 years later, I've gotten involved with it all. So I want to hear the story. So you know, your shoulder goes out on you. You can't pitch anymore. Yeah. You're graduating from college, <laughs> yeah. right? And you were 
a very, very good student, by the way. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, I would have won a few of the uh, the, the Melton Law uh, Scholar Athletes of the Week, probably back then. Yeah, should have. Well, yeah. We, 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 we can do it after the no, fact. No, but, no. Jeff was a uh, an All American or a Scholar Athlete wow. for uh, the SEC. But so you're you're graduating. You're, you're not going to be a major league pitcher, right? Mm -hmm. And so, how do you make the transition? Yeah, it was hard because I've I've always been a sports guy my entire life. I was sports editor in my high school paper. You know, anything that sure. I did was was getting out and, and playing sports and, and doing it all, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, golf. Um, so I, I knew I wanted to be involved somehow. And you know, I was fortunate enough to to do journalism here here in Florida and got the opportunity to to do a couple things and and it was fun. The the classes that I was in were great. Jeff Chandler was a kicker at the time and, and he and I were, were partners going through stuff. Aaron Andrews was a classmate of mine, so Aaron and I worked together really, really closely and through a lot of different things. I know she's excited today. She's a big Tampa girl, so <laughs> uh, a, a big fan through all that. So just kind of, uh, kind of made my way in trying to figure out what to do and, and work my way into doing some things. And I was just hanging around the baseball field one day, and one of the uh, the announcers didn't get the, the opportunity to be there, so they slid me in that day. and I. <laughs> I guess they like what I did, and I've been doing it for for twenty years. So, so that's how you started. Yeah. Somebody didn't show up. Yeah, just yeah. I was uh, yeah. I, I Wally pipped him from. Uh, <laughs> so that was the, uh, the the good way to do it. But and you know, so then having that opportunity and getting to really be involved with all the other sports and, and getting to be and I think the neatest part is you know you look at a perspective from a player and you you always think as an 18, 19, 20 year old yeah, this coach doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just yelling and screaming, and not paying attention. But then now you see it from the other side. You see how hard it is for, for Dan Mullen or, or for Mike White or, or Sully or any of these coaches just to sit there and have to try to manage whether it's 15, 30, 85 guys, gals, whatever it might be. And you see how hard they work. You see how much they care about each individual kid and you know, getting to just kind of pick their brain on different things has been really fascinating. So I want to talk a little bit about the – uh, 2021 Gator baseball team. Mm -hmm. okay. We've got opening day uh, coming up in one week against Miami. I mean, the Gators are ranked number one. Miami's uh, top 10. It's Miami and Florida. It's got to be the biggest college baseball game in the country, it right? Is. Yep, no question. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, where, you know the Gator baseball team this well, year. Well, and, and for me, I, I try to be – pretty partial as I'm doing a game, but when it's Miami, like there's, there's an anger to it. Like sure. it's, the, it's that program that you're just like, man, sure. we, we got to beat these guys. Cause they, we've always had those matchups. And you know, I remember facing Miami as a freshman and you know, there, there was this guy, Pat Burrell, he ended up being the number one pick in the draft, played for the Phillies for, for a number of years. And, you know, as a freshman, I, I strike him out the first time I ever face him. And then three innings later, he uh, he hits a ball that's probably still orbiting Earth to uh, to win the game. Hits a home run, so then that that hatred really came. I was like, man, these hurricanes got me. And yet he just so then we've had so much fun over the years. Been great meetings in Omaha, so many different things here and there. So yeah, it's it's going to be great. And and for what Kevin O'Sullivan's done to this program, there's six different polls in baseball. So there's a lot of polls, and the Gators are unanimous number one that's in incredible. every single one of them. So. That never happens. So tell us a little bit about um, the different uh, positions. You know, start with pitcher and go through some of the other uh, positions. Yeah, and that's, that's what Sully's really been good with uh, his entire career here. I mean, so many different guys are now making the big leagues mm -hmm. because he's what he's done with, with his pitching staffs. And you got a guy on Friday night that his name is Tommy Mace. He probably 
should have been drafted last year, but there was only five rounds because of COVID and some of the things that happened. Mm -hmm. So he ends up coming back to school. So it's almost like you're getting, you know, this number one draft pick kind of guy to come back to school because you didn't expect him to. So he'll solidify things on Friday night, a guy named Jack Lefwich on Saturday, another right-handed guy that's pretty special. And then on Sunday, we saw stints of him last year and actually against Miami down in Coral Gables a year ago, this guy named Hunter Barco, who was one of the top uh, arms coming out of high school. Lefty comes from uh, a weird angle. He, he might be uh, the number one pick in the draft in a couple of years. That's how special this staff is. So uh, how about Miami? Do they have a... Uh, they do. They're, they're, they're better. They're, their catcher is really good. Should be a first-round pick. They've got a couple position guys that, that really swing it well. Their, their pitching was really good a year ago. They're, they're not as good this year. But, you know, they've got a team. And, you know, they Sully's had his number. Florida's really dominated Miami. Went down there last year and swept them at their home ballpark where they felt that they were going to win. So... There's no doubt. They'll be ready for revenge. Yeah, no question about it. <laughs> We've got to take a break in just a minute. Wow, is this going fast? Yeah, I, we, I have mean, to, we have to get to the um, infield and outfield. That, that, that's <laughs> right. We haven't even talked about the wonderful stadium, about how incredible that is. And we're going to be talking about a promotion that we are doing. We are giving away tickets. Melvin Law has tickets for that opening weekend, that trifecta of the three games against Miami. The second and third game, we'll be talking about it after the break. You are watching, again, Meldon Law and Friends, a service of Meldon Law. Take a look at our website at www.meldonlaw.com or give us a call anytime, toll-free at 1-800-373-8000. Great show today with Jeff Cardozo. We'll be right back. I was driving behind a lady, and very suddenly she moved out of the way. There was a log laying in the road, and when I hit my brakes, I went on top of the log. I had 280 discs. I just haven't been the same since. Jeffrey Melden fought for me all the way. Him and his team really went there for me. Throughout the whole lawsuit, he made sure that my bills was paid. It was never no whenever I called him and asked him for something. Being a client at Melden Law was special because I felt like I was really being listened to and I felt welcome by the entire staff. If I were in a situation where I needed legal advice and help, I would absolutely reach out to Jeffrey because his reputation alone speaks for itself. But on a personal level, I know that he would take care of me and help me solve those problems and I would feel safe with him. Hello and welcome back to Meldon Law and Friends, a service of Meldon Law. Take a look at us on the World Wide Web at www.meldonlaw.com. Three offices statewide, primary office in Gainesville, an office covering all of South Florida and Marion County in Ocala. Let's get right back to it. We have a great show today with Jeff Cardozo, the voice of the Florida Gator baseball team. And Jeffrey, we've got a promotion coming up for that upcoming weekend next week, the 19th, 20th, and 21st. Yes, we're really excited. Uh, on Saturday, uh, we're going to be giving away four tickets plus a $100 gift certificate to the Cheesecake wow. Factory, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a big deal. And then on yeah. Sunday, we've got two tickets and a $50 gift certificate to the Cheesecake Factory. And all you have to do is go to uh, Facebook, Melden Law and Friends, and there'll be a uh, enter the contest and uh, you'll uh, be entered. It's uh, going to be so much fun because we have 
the new stadium. Tell us about that, Jeff. It's amazing. Um, you know, I had the opportunity a couple of days ago to go over there, kind of set up our equipment, make sure everything's functioning well. And and, and it was a little rainy that day. And, and I think that's going to be the best part because I think so many people in Gainesville remember some of these regionals in the middle of the summer sure. where it's raining everywhere and there's all these delays and you had to take forever for the field to drain. Well, now it's just, I mean, it's done right. And it just, it wasn't wet at all. And the, to me, this is a, this is for the fans. As good as this baseball team's been, it's been you know more than a decade now of Sully and, and his excellence and getting teams to Omaha and everything else. But for the fans, they're going to have that shade structure that mm-hmm. you didn't have at the old stadium. They're all chair back seats, and then you've got a berm, you've got a, a walkway that goes around the entire facility where you can never take your eyes off the game. Then you okay. know before you walk down and get a concession stand, and you can't watch the game. So now it's that three sixty concourse and. It's beautiful, and the the SEC has some really good stadiums, and this by far, I think, is uh, going to just trump all those by far. Now, I, they I, oriented the state the stadium a little differently, did. right? Yeah. So, um, in, in reality, when they built the old McKeithen Stadium, home plate probably should have been in right field, looking back <laughs> towards the O Dome. But in order to fit there, I think that's the way they did it. So now it's facing the right way. The sun's going to set behind basically now the third base dugout. So you'll have a little issues in right field, but by three, four o'clock, every single seat will be in the shade. You'll have no issues. And, you know, even at, at noon on those Sunday games, the one o'clock games, they'll, uh, there'll be a lot of shade in, in that place. It'll be spectacular. So the right fielder might have some sun from the setting <laughs> yeah. sun coming in <laughs> and he'll be, he'll be, he needs the eye black and the oak leaves. <laughs> other than that, everybody's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's exciting because not only is it a great grandstand, but they actually have grass seating. Mm-hmm. They have, uh, it, sure. it's, you know, it's uh, just amazing. Well, and that's what's neat. And I think with, with the COVID this year, they'll, they'll probably space those out a little bit more. I think the, the point is to try to draw some squares in there and, and space some people out. But it, it's still just, it's going to be a great view everywhere you go into that stadium. And then, of course, the, the team is so stinking good. It's going to be amazing to, to sit there and watch. Because think about that. <laughs> we were watching a guy in Brady Singer who was the National oh, Player sure. of the Year just a couple years ago. And then you turn on the TV this past summer and, and he's pitching in the big league. So mm-hmm. you and that's what's really great about all the things that I get to do, because it's not just baseball and football and basketball. You, you go to a, a swim meet and you're you're watching Olympians. You, you go to a track meet and you're watching maybe the, the fastest guy in the world in Grant mm-hmm. Holloway. So there's just so many stellar athletes that come to the University of Florida and make up all <laughs> these sports. It's special. So you uh, actually get to cover it uh, on the radio every day from four to six. Right? Yeah, it's great. You know, we, we got the tailgate. It's it's Pat Dooley and I. So of course his knowledge and, and being with mm-hmm. the Gainesville Sun for as long as he has, like almost thirty five years, he did that. He's uh, you know he he does all that. We have fun with each other. We just you know we we pick and prod back and forth and, and goof off. But that's what I want it to be. Like I want it to be a, a true tailgate. I think it's it's so special that that you guys sponsor. Melton Law does the, the second hour of the show, so everybody's driving home and you know, they get to listen and tune in and and see us going at it back and forth. It's it's a lot of fun. So where can people listen to this? It's on RUF, right? Yeah. So ESPN 98.1 FM and 8.50 AM WRUF. There's also the, the WRUF app on your phone. So you can listen to it really anywhere in the entire world. Just pull that up. There's a listen live button and boom, you're, you're tuning in right away. So besides doing all of this other stuff, you also have a day job as a <laughs> manager at Ironwood uh, Golf Course, right? Yeah, and, and that's what I call my, my real job, so to speak, I guess. And, and all the, the other stuff is fun. So I've mm-hmm. actually been at, at Ironwood now almost 20 years. It's uh, it, it's a special place and we worked really hard to 
to fix it up. It's owned by the city of Gainesville. So, you know, you have uh, a few things you have to deal with in, in trying to mm -hmm. go, go and through navigate all that stuff. But we, um, we've put a lot of improvements into it the last couple of years. We, we've done, redone the tees and the greens. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I wanted to a place to be fun, just like the, the tailgate radio show is, or just like <laughs> hanging with you guys or anything that I do. Like, I don't want ever anything to ever be hoity toity. Like I, I want it to be a tailgate where you, mm -hmm. you know, I, I tell my employees, Hey, by the second or third time you see somebody like, know their name like i mean one of the favorite things that i get to do and you know you, i'm driving down let's just say to see carrie down in south florida and you know i go through the toll booth and you know i see a girl's name on her thing and it says sarah and then you say hey sarah how are you and like you just you see her light up with, sure. with a smile and a face so just want to make everything personal have a lot of fun with stuff and and really go about it so that's why i try to manage the golf course that way and just make it fun for everybody no i live in the northeast part of town near the duck pond area okay. and it's just a, a chip shot yeah uh, to the golf <laughs> course yeah, right? you pull out a wedge and hit it there you can probably hit it so far but i love ironwood i've been going there for years and you know the you can go there and it's a really nice uh restaurant bar area mm -hmm. Uh, I wanted to ask about that great. because I remember when I was a student here, I went to law school in okay. the early 80s, and I remember that was one of the premier places to go for dinner. <laughs> I took a, a dinner date there and really wanted to show up and say, wow, this is a classy place. And it was. I remember the food was great. So tell me about the restaurant now. Yeah, we're, we're still limited a little bit because of the COVID yeah. stuff. Um, but when you know, when it's there, it's a, it's a great snack bar. I mean, the burgers are fantastic. Yeah. I think the hot dog is really what we're known for. You know, great sandwiches, mm -hmm. a lot of different things to uh, just go out and enjoy. And, you know, I think what, what's been really neat is we, we've got a, a lighted driving range now that we, and we've got a shade structure over the driving range. Okay. So we have a Friday and Saturday night special where you can come out and you can uh, have a bucket of balls and drink a couple of beers for about $8. I'm so. there. I can, I can do a driving range. Oh yeah. I, I, he I, lives I, in the neighborhood that's too. That's right. I, I don't know about playing a real course like you and Carrie do, but I, I can do a driving yeah, range. Our superintendent <laughs> would thank you for not uh, putting, putting marks all over the course. For uh, yeah, no, I, and, and it's great that you were thoughtful enough to put lights up there because, you know, after work, people can go out there and, and and we all know the only way you get better in golf is by practicing, right? It, it certainly is. Yeah. And I think that's with, with, with every sport. But yeah, you got to have at it. And that's where golf's such a fascinating game because you can play it when you're five or you can play it when you're, you're 95. So it's just, and that's what we really try to do. I think uh, the, you know, the juniors, just like you guys do with some of the high school, some of the college stuff, it's, it's really near and dear to my heart because I've got three kids. I've got one in high school now that's an athlete. So you just you, you want to have a place for them. So we, we try to do a lot with getting kids out there, making sure we give them lessons, teach them the right way, teach them the rules. Sure. Nobody's pulling a Patrick Reed and, and cheating, dropping balls, and you know, kicking <laughs> balls, and, and doing judge smells on Caddyshack. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you know? So yeah, so, so junior golf is really big, and then you know, obviously, uh, a lot of the ones that, that are retired and get to be out there on a, on a daily basis. It's just oh yeah, it's great seeing them. Each I wanted and every to day. talk about that. The greens fees there are incredible. And, and that's the way I want it to be. I want it to be reasonable so, you know, everybody can, can come out and, and just really enjoy it. You just you don't want to turn anybody away. It's a, it's a place where you can show up, mm -hmm. you, you'd be welcomed at the right time, and you just, you just have fun. Like everything that, again, like I said, it's just – it should be fun. You should want to show up to work every day and, and have fun and, we do. And, and make it that way. And yeah, and it's taking it right from well, you guys. Well, we're really excited about, um, you know, Ironwood and, you know, the spring coming up and everybody gets ready to, you know, they, uh, sure. you know, clean up their golf clubs That's right. and they head, head out to uh, the uh, driving range and then play uh, a round of golf. So we're excited about that. 
Now, uh, what are some of the other things that are going on as far as uh, Gator sports for the uh, spring? Sure. Well, and, that, and the, the, think about this. So the only real sport that's not happening is football. Every other sport at UF is happening in the spring. So you can see it's almost like a nightmare for all of us behind the scenes <laughs> and trying to broadcast them, put them on TV or radio or try to find spots yeah. for them. But it, for, for fans, it's, it's absolutely tremendous well, because you get to see all this stuff. Let's talk about the basketball team. Okay. You know, we uh, it's been an up and down year, of course. And, uh, you know, we had Mark Wise on last okay. week, you know, giving some excellent words, I thought, talking about the fact that, look, you know, last summer, of course, they had a vision for the team. Coach White was going to build it around Keontae Johnson. Obviously, that's no longer possible. Tell us what the, your, your thoughts on the Gator basketball team moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's a preseason SEC player of the year. That's the yeah. heart and soul of this team. And, and not only can he score, he can play defense. And he's obviously a leader in the locker room. So, yeah. so many things when you lost him. So, it's at least nice to have them back now. But now, now think about what Mike White had to do. So all of a sudden, you're, you're prepared. You're looking at everything from a standpoint of, okay, we're going to revolve everything around Keontae. And now somebody has to play his position. And then somebody else has yeah. to move now and play in a different position. So Mike's done an incredible job to be able to do that. And you know, the first game back after not having Keontae was that Vandy game. They go up to a, a gym that's really quirky, really hard, and, and they win by about 20. Sure. And then they go on that nice run. They go up to West Virginia, and, oh, and they out-physical everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was great. So um, he told me a couple of weeks ago that he felt going into that Florida State game where, where Keontae obviously uh, went down, this might be the best team that he's had. And, and that's saying a lot. So he's now has the talent, but you have to shuffle so many people around and do some different things to make it good. And, you know, I, I think he's certainly the right guy for this job. And he's getting everybody to play for sure. him. I mean, look who came back. You had Trey Mann come back who could have went to the NBA. Scotty Lewis come back because they wanted to play mm -hmm. for Mike White. And I think we're seeing now that reaping that benefit. Yeah, I think Trey Mann definitely uh, oh, yeah. increased his uh, stock as far as the yeah. NBA because last year mm -hmm. I was going, why is this guy going to the yeah. NBA? Yeah. You know, this what? year it's like, oh, I understand why the NBA would be interested in Let, let me ask you about something else. Sure. You also do the coaches show <laughs> with Coach Mullen. Yep. So. Baseball, basketball, football, you do it all. Talk about the show you do with Coach Mullen. Yeah, it's great, you know, just to, to be there and, and be able to not only pick his brain, but I, I do the three-hour pregame show for the network as well and all the mm -hmm. postgame interviews. So you get to be around the guys. And and it was going back to before, you, you kind of you see what works, what doesn't work. And I've gotten to be around so many of these great coaches here at Florida and just understand what it takes to, to be successful. And I think the, the neat part about all that is, you know, you have – Cam Newbauer, the women's basketball coach, best friends with the golf coach and J.C. Deacon, mm -hmm. who's really friends with Mouse Holloway. And all these guys, they just they have this atmosphere where they mm -hmm. can go in and be like us and just sit here and talk for several hours and say, OK, what worked, <laughs> what didn't work? And I think that's what I like doing the most about Coach Mullen's show. And I'm really excited. You know, Steve Spurrier's restaurant's going to open up soon. Oh, it is. To, oh, let's talk about that. to move it over there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm going to throw on a visor and throw some beers back and have some fun. Are you going to be doing some shows from there? Uh, we are. I think that's, that's wow. the plan to, to be able to do that and, and showcase, you know, certainly what that's all about and Celebration Point. That whole area is, is truly spectacular. So it's good. But, I mean, M Mullen's great. You know, he uh, 
he's really good with the fans. I mean, I think we oh, see yes. him afterwards. Yeah. You see him high fiving. That intensity around. is just something. Well, give us your thoughts about the team going forward next year. Obviously, we we lost some great players, yeah. but we're reloading. So, what do you, what is your thought about the Gator football team? Well, part of Ironwood too. I get to have some uh, some interns out there, and Kyle Trask was actually my intern, so he owes all You're his success to wow. my, my <laughs> great teaching. Right? He taught him everything. That's right. He knows. Everything. <laughs> that old swing, you know, yeah. just like. <laughs> so, so, what do you think as far as the offense? next year it's going to be different i just i think gator fans need to understand that it's probably going to be a work in progress you know trash was good two years ago he was great last year yeah, you know, emory exactly. jones is a guy that is really really talented but he hasn't had a ton of game reps but that's what's so good about dan mullen he's able to scheme up stuff find the holes sure. spread people out take advantage of what teams are trying to do against him he's just such a great play caller so i think that'll make Emory really good. But, I mean, think about what they've got in the transfer mm-hmm. portal. Demarcus Bowman, this guy that was a five-star coming out of Lakeland, he comes in. Now he went to Clemson. Now he's going to mm-hmm. be potentially the running back. you got another guy, five-star on Lorenzo Lingard. you got Jacob Copeland coming back, a receiver. They lost Kyle Pitts, but they just got Eric Gilbert from LSU, who was the best tight end in the country coming out of high school two years ago. So the weapons are going to be there. And, of course, everybody's freaking out about the defense and, and how that happened. But if they get to have a full spring – get to have a summer where you now prepare, you understand what the calls are. Todd Grantham's defense is is really, really good. He'll get those guys playing good again. And I would expect nothing less but a chance to beat Georgia again and get back to Atlanta. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it's all about, right? Beating Georgia. Georgia. We know that. You know, (laughs) it's like people around the country don't completely understand that there's one game, you know, SEC East uh, is almost always determined by that game. It is. So as as much as I hate Miami baseball, everybody hates uh, Georgia football for for sure. (laughs) That's the way it is. Now, uh, getting back to baseball real quick. Who are the uh, top hitters on the uh, UF baseball team? So, so there's a guy, Judd Fabian, who'll play center field, kid out of Ocala, actually, probably pretty close to your office down there. He um, he might be the number one pick in the entire draft. A, a five-tool player, fast as heck, hits balls that are like that ball Pat Burrell I was describing, <laughs> that's still orbiting Earth. He, he's just, he has all the tools, and he is uh, in consideration for, for being the best college player position-wise, in the entire draft. So that's how good he is. You've got a guy in Jacob Young who was hitting over 400 last year before COVID cut the season short. You've got a, a guy at first base. Um, his uh, his father was Jack Armstrong, a guy that pitched in the big leagues. So mm-hmm. this guy is – he hits – like he hit a ball. When you see the new scoreboard, when you get over there, the middle of that scoreboard, he broke a panel once the stadium was put in. <laughs> That's how far he hit this ball. Wow. So he, he's got incredible power. They've got speed all over the place. They, they've got a catcher who was a freshman last year that's going to be really, really good. They've got a guy that played shortstop last year who was a freshman, and that never happens. You never see a kid come in as a freshman and play shortstop. His name's Josh Rivera. So anywhere you look, this is going to be such a deep lineup, and really one through nine. There's not a there's not a hole in this lineup. So you know, you might think, all right, by the time we, we get through the four, five, six hitters, okay, we can probably take a deep breath. <laughs> well you can in this lineup. So it's gonna be really, really tough to uh to, to get these guys so out. So up the middle we're strong. Very strong. And that's exactly what you what you want to do for sure. Wow. I tell you what, again, we seems like we say this every week, but we could probably go on for another hour. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is such great information about the Gator baseball team, and uh, we will definitely be having you back very, very soon as the season gets kicked off, and we'll see how things go. But a lot of great expectations for the Gator baseball team. And with that in mind, let's talk a little bit more about the contest 
we announced. We want to remind our viewers and those of you who are listening on the many different uh, platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Gator, uh, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and so many others, this is a contest that's unique to Facebook. So if you want the tickets to the Gator baseball games that first weekend, that would be Saturday the 20th and Sunday the 21st, you do not go to our website. You go to the Facebook page, correct? Yes. And uh, you go to the Facebook page, Melden Law and Friends, and there'll be a button that says enter the contest here. The contest is Saturday, four premium seats plus a $100 gift certificate at the Cheesecake Factory. Uh, that game is going to be at 1 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, and then Sunday, another game at 1 o'clock that we're going to have two premium seats available, and a $50 gift certificate uh, at Cheesecake Factory. And you can uh, enter uh, one or both of the uh, days. And uh, we're really excited because baseball tickets are going to be sold out. Yeah, uh, impossible oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. They're so. going to be impossible <laughs> to get except at Melden Law and Friends. So go to Facebook, Melden Law and Friends, and right. uh, we're going to – have them uh, there for you. And we've got one more to talk about. We also have gymnastics on the 19th, a gymnastics meet against Kentucky. We have four tickets for that, but for that meet, you have for that contest, you have to go to our regular um, internet webpage at www.meldenlaw.com. Right. And uh, we have a button at the top on the homepage of the Melden Law website. That is to win the four tickets to the Kentucky gymnastics meet on the 19th a week from today, and we're doing the gift certificate for the Cheesecake Factory on that too, correct? Yes, four seats, Friday, uh, February 19th, uh, $100 gift certificate to Cheesecake Factory. And just think about this. If you're lucky enough to win <laughs> both, you can go see the Gator baseball game at 3 o'clock on Friday, and then at 645, walk over to the O-Dome and see the number one gymnastic team that starts at 645. I, so you have a chance for a twofer. Pretty amazing. <laughs> and why are we doing this? Because we are the official law firm community partner of the Florida Gators. Actually, Chris, it's the only, only official I, I knew I missed law firm partner the only of the Florida official Gators. law firm community partner not, of the Gators. Not community partner. The only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. I keep saying it wrong just so you can keep saying it. Again. I know you he do. He does it so good. I know. <laughs> and Chris promised us he was going to get uh, new clothing for the show. And if everybody will notice, right. he's got a new shirt on. A, a very a dear friend of mine said, who watches us every week, told me, you know, you need to put a little bit of color in your outfit like your boss. We'll be right back on Melden Law and Friends. The Melden Law Firm from the beginning has been built on giving back to the community. I enjoy coming to work as much today as I did in 1971 when I opened my practice. I don't look at this as a job, I look at it as serving other people. While we're alive, what better feeling can you achieve than knowing that you've helped other people and thereby you enrich your own life? I've done mornings here on Sky Radio for 17 years. Jeffrey Meldon started doing his weekend show here 16 years ago. One of the things that separates Jeffrey is I don't see him out there hollering for people's business. I see him out there investing in the community. He's touched a lot of lives, and a lot of it he'll never know what a difference he made in somebody's life about information that he has shared on the air. 
Hello and welcome back to Meldon Law and Friends, a weekly podcast brought to you by Meldon Law, a statewide law firm with its primary office in Gainesville and also with offices in South Florida and Ocala. Jeffrey, as we've talked about, the concept of this show is we bring in people from all walks of, of life, so to speak, community heroes. We've had coaches, we've had broadcasters, we've had leaders from the business community, we've had people involved in county and local government, but uh, I think we've got a very special community hero today. Yes, uh, we're very excited to uh, welcome Jason Sweat, who's involved with the United Foster Ministries. Uh, welcome to the show, Thank you, Jason. Jason. Thank you. We really appreciate you joining could, us. Could you tell us a little bit about the concept of uh, what uh, it's un Unity Foster Ministries, right? Yes, sir. Um, so Unity Foster Ministries is um, uh, something that my wife and I founded two years ago. Um, we have been foster parents for seven years and just really knew that um, the, the foster community needed more support. They needed more uh, people there to back them and help them along the way. And so uh, we founded Unity Foster Ministries to do just that. Um, we work with uh, the youth in foster care uh, throughout the community, as well as the, the homes that are, are open to them as foster homes and their biological parents to try to really support all sides of it to bring back um, the reunification aspect and, and get these kids back together with their parents. Now, how do kids become foster children? So that can happen in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, usually um, what we first tend to think about is things like child abuse or sexual abuse, and those things certainly do exist. Mm -hmm. um, but that's really not the only way. Uh, sometimes it's just um, a parent's inability to care for a child at that given time. Maybe they uh, are going through some things themselves and struggling and they just can't care for the, for the children at that time and, and they need some help. Um, maybe it's domestic violence or something along those lines that causes um, the children in DCF to get involved. And then, you know, after working with the family and trying to resolve it without removing the child, um, if it doesn't work, then DCF will step in and remove the child. And that's how they get placed in the, into the foster care. So uh, I understand you and your wife, Amanda, mm -hmm. uh, one day decided, OK, <laughs> we're going to do this, right? Well, it, it, sort of. Um, so she was a pediatric nurse uh, by trade, and she would see the children in the hospital um, day in and day out who they just didn't have homes for. And that's one of our biggest issues is we do not have enough foster homes for the children who are in care. And so she came to me and said, hey, I think we can do this. And I said, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and for three years, we had this discussion. Um, regularly. And then finally, um, after a period of time of just my heart being softened and opened up to other, other possibilities, um, I, I said, okay, well, uh, what, what do we do next? And she said, oh, we got to take a class. It's like, you know, nine weeks. I've already signed us up. We start on Tuesday. And I said, well, <laughs> little did you know. Okay, I guess we're doing this. And, um, you know, that was seven years ago. We've wow. had 20 children in our home since then. Um, and uh, it has been a true blessing uh, every step of the way. So. Now, you have your own biological kids, too, right? We do. We have a, a boy and a girl. Uh, they'll be 12 and 10 this year. So, so how do they adjust to uh, the whole situation? Oh, I, I love this question. Um, because um, they have done really well with this. And this has been an opportunity for us to teach them life lessons um, that we probably would have never had the opportunity to teach them without being mm -hmm. in this in this position. Um, we get to teach them a lot about love and grace and, um, you know, just accepting people for who they are and where they are in life and loving on them anyways. 
um, which again is something we may not have been able to teach them had we not been in this position. So uh, they've done really, really great with it. And, and they're a super big help, especially when it comes to some of the younger ones. Uh, they love babies and love to help you know, care for them and hold them. And so um, they, they do really well with it. So give us an idea of what it's like when a uh, child, you know, is uh, put into foster care and, uh, you know, you make the decision that you're going to help out. You know, how does a child enter the home and what are some of the things that goes on? So it's a it's it's a lot of chaos. The first couple of days, Um, you know, this this new child is entering your home. Uh, They are coming from their life that they're now leaving everything of and they're coming into your home into your life that they know nothing about um, so there's always kind of this honeymoon period for a couple of days where you're trying to get to know each other um, and then the real life kicks in um, and that's when the chaos starts but <laughs> it's um uh it is it's unlike it, it, it's really hard to explain because it's unlike anything you've ever experienced it's not like bringing a newborn baby home that you just birthed at the hospital and you were expecting mm-hmm. and planning for and you had everything ready to go in the nursery and all the family is there to, to, to see the new baby and cook meals and all this stuff it doesn't it doesn't look like that at 2 a.m in the morning when the phone rings and they say hey we've got this four-year-old little boy who we just had to remove from his parents are you guys able to take take him in and you have you know, five minutes to, to ask some questions and figure out if, if you're going to say yes or no. And you say yes. And an hour later, they show up with this little boy and likely most of the time, no belongings in his pajamas. And, mm. you know, you, you've, you've got to you've got to figure out how to make him feel like this is not going to be the worst day of his life. You've got to make him feel like this is mm-hmm. that he's still loved, that he's still appreciated and that this is just a temporary thing. Um, and it's, it's, it's different. It's really hard to explain what that feels like until you do it. Um, but I will say that the very first time we said yes, uh, I was scared to death until they arrived and they arrived at 2 a.m. in the morning and it was, it was two little boys. And the second they got there, it was just, it was like, that was where they were supposed to be. Wow. And we just started talking and we sat up for like two more hours chatting with them and, um, you know, and, and it went pretty well so now you've got a day job too right <laughs> I do I do um, I uh, I run a, a division of a mortgage company here from with leader one financial um, we have branches all over the state of Florida and uh, or actually around the country and um, so by day I do mortgages and uh, work with the real estate industry and uh, love it um, I could not uh, have picked a better uh, industry for me to be in um, and then by night so to speak I um, I do this. Uh, my wife and I uh, run Unity Foster Ministries and um, work with with biological parents and mentoring them and foster families and trying to help them get the supports that they need. And so, what, what, I just wanted to ask about the goals. So, when the child comes into your home, you don't know how long that child's going to be there, right? right. So, so what are what are the uh, goals that that you have uh, as the foster parent? So correct. We don't have any idea how long there. It could be a. It could be a day. It could be a weekend. It could be a week. It could be a year. Our longest um, case was almost twenty nine months. So almost two and a half years. Um, and the goal is always to reunify those children exactly. with their parents. Um, and our goal as as foster parents is to support that goal. To the very end, as much as we possibly can, whether that means. Um, 
befriending the, the biological parents and, and creating a relationship there, whether that means transporting the child to, to visitation or to other activities so that the parents can be involved, going to court. Um, you know, we, we're here to support that goal. And so, you know, it, it looks different in every case. Generally speaking, you can expect if, it, if it's a long-term case that they'll be in your home for about a year. Um, sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's less. Uh, right now with the pandemic and everything else going on, most cases are stretching out to a year and a half or more, um, partly because services haven't been available. You can't do in-person services if you can't be in person. And you have a lot of interaction, obviously, with the Department of Children and Families, DCF, as you were referring to them earlier. So when you bring in a foster, you're talking with them constantly. They're coming over to check in on the welfare and maybe talk a little bit about how that process works. So when when a child first comes into your home, you have 48 hours to, they have to go see a pediatrician, they have to have a checkup. Um, DCF comes into the home and, and just verifies that everything's okay. Um, Partnership for Strong Families here in the Gainesville and um, North Florida area. Uh, that's who the children are um, in the in the care of, so to speak. And so they come into the home and make sure everything is, is okay. Um, and every area has their own community-based care organization. So here it's Partnership and other places they have other organizations. And they're all involved. And in that first, I say it's chaotic, in that first mm-hmm two or three days. You've got doctor's visits, you've got school changes or re-enrollments in school, you've got DCF popping in, you've got caseworkers popping in, you've got court. Um, And so it really kind of gets a little bit chaotic, but, um, you know, we all try to work together as a team. um, And, you know, we call ourselves partner families because we we partner with these other organizations to really try and, um, you know, make sure that, you know, we're all working together for the same goal. We, we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago, you may know, Natalia Bannister, the executive director of the Pace Center for Girls. Mm-hmm. And she was telling us about the same type of thing, how frequently these are children through no fault of their own are, are thrust into very challenging situations. So I'm sure groups like that probably assist you a great deal. Uh, they do. And we try to work with, with as many organizations uh, like ours that yeah. that have the best interest of the children and, and, and the families um, at heart, and, and they really work towards the same goals as we do. Um, and so we work with a number of organizations around the community for, for those same reasons. So I wanted to uh, just ask you, um, as far as communication with the families, the parents, isn't that one of the more critical elements while you're fostering the child? It is huge. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of the things that we really try to to stress to new foster homes is you have to open those lines of communication because you have to build those relationships with the biological parents. That's where the success comes from. Um, statistics tell us that if we can if we can reunify a child within the first 12 months, there's a 76% success rate. Wow. Um, after, from months 13 on, it drops to 34%. Mm. Uh, so there's a huge drop off in success after that 12 months. So building that relationship with those parents early on, opening up to, to them is, is huge and crucial in getting these families reunited and, and put back together so that they can be stronger. We have to take a break, but this is a fascinating, incredibly important topic. One thing I'd like to talk about after the break is how do people become foster parents? Uh, I know you mentioned before we started that there's a foster crisis right now and the more people are needed. So we will come back and and talk with Jason about that. We want to remind you, you are watching Meldon Law and Friends, a weekly podcast of Meldon Law. We talked earlier with Jeff Cardozo about the fact that we've got some promotions coming up or going on right now, I should say. 
We've got baseball tickets available for that first Gator Baseball weekend, the weekend of the 19th through the 21st. Go to the Meldon Law Facebook page. Just look us up, Meldon Law on Facebook. You'll see the links to apply for that particular promotion. Go to our website, MeldonLaw.com. If you want to apply for tickets for the Gator Gymnastics Meet, the 19th against Kentucky. We'll be right back with Meldon Law and Friends. Americans living in lockdown. New lockdown has begun. Been ordered to stay at home. Teen pandemic expected to impact the already overwhelmed foster care system. For years, in-person visitation has been critical in helping parents spend time developing and maintaining a bond with their children in foster care. Since the emergence of COVID-19 and the initial shelter-in-place orders, many visitation centers across Florida have been shut down, some indefinitely. That means more than 80% of the children in Florida's foster care system have not been able to visit with their parents face-to-face -face in nine months. Imagine not being able to see your child face-to-face, -to, -face, to touch them or hug them, to only be able to say hey through the computer screen. Imagine the heartache that would bring to you and your children. With your support of just $27 a month, Unity Foster Ministries can eliminate the barrier of transportation for parents trying to spend time with their children with a fully funded, state-of-the-art RV-style mobile visitation center. A first in the state of Florida. At $127 a month, we can open a full-service brick-and-mortar visitation center that can bring parents and children back together in a safe, clean, and exciting new way. Please consider being a part of the change and long-term solution to the foster care crisis right here in our community by heading over to our website and pledging to support the Unity 127 campaign. I was in an accident. Someone ran red light and hit me, and I was hurt. You don't know where to turn. Luckily, I called Jeffrey. These big insurance companies, they don't want you to win. They truly don't. But Jeffrey and his firm and the people that work here, they just really fight for you. You call the law offices of Jeffrey Belden because you're going to need help, and they will help you. I was in a truck accident. Because of the accident, I've resulted in three back surgeries. We saw advertisements on TV, and guess who popped up more often than that? It was Jeffrey. The communication that he provided was so appreciative that he shows his compassion as a human. He assisted us in achieving one of our dreams, the acquisition of a home, and we're here today with smiles on our face with the assistance from Jeffrey. Welcome back to Meldon Law and Friends. Today is Friday, February 12th, 2021. Jeffrey and I are joined for this segment again by Jason Sweat, the president and CEO of Unity Foster Ministries based in Gainesville. Uh, you were talking during the first segment about the wonderful work your ministry is doing, and you also were telling us before we started about the fact there is a crisis right now in the state of Florida, a foster care crisis. So why don't you explain that? So right now, um, we are desperately short on homes to house foster children, uh, for families to love on foster children. Um, and, you know, the, the numbers are about, we need about, there's about five kids for every home. And, now wow. that, and so if you have any kids of your own, you know, in order for every child to have a home to go to, you're talking six, seven, eight children in a home. And, and that, that can get to be a bit daunting. So uh, we desperately need more families to step up and say, I want, I want to provide a safe, loving uh, home for these children for 
a period of time, whatever that looks like. Um, and, and that's that's one of the big things that we do. Um, we, my wife and I, do a lot of speaking engagements of recruiting and info info night sessions to try to get the information to people who might have an interest, um, so that they can learn what it takes to become a foster parent as well. So, if folks want to explore what it's like to become a foster mm-hmm. parent, uh, where would they go? So they can reach out to us directly, um, and I can help point them in the right direction. Every area throughout the state has what we call community-based care organizations. Um, Some of them serve multiple counties. Some of them just serve one county. Um, But that's who ends up licensing you as a foster parent. And so no matter where they're at, if if they are interested, they can reach out and we can help get them directed to the right person who handles the licensing for their area. Um, And then they'll ask questions of them and and they'll kind of get a feel for what it's like to license with that agency. Um, and then they go through some classes, uh, and then after that, they send off their stuff to the state of Florida, and DCF issues them a license, and chances are they're going to get a call for a placement before they even know they have a license, um, <laughs> because that's how desperate we need, we need more ha- families, and uh, that's how we found out we had a license, um, as we got a call, and we're like, well, we don't think we're licensed yet. Oh, it just came in. You're good. Um, so, uh, but yeah, we're more than happy to help point people. So, in go to unityfosterministries.org. Correct. Okay. okay, we'll put up a graphic so people can yeah, see that. But, but uh, so you, if they go there, uh, they'll reach out to you. Mm-hmm. You'll find out where they're living, wherever they're living. There is some organization Correct. that you can connect them with, and then they can uh, explore what it's uh, what it would take to become a foster parent. Correct. There, there's a contact us section on, on our webpage. Um, and it has our phone number and, and email address and that kind of thing. And they Jason, can reach let, me, out. let me ask you this. So there's people out there watching, I'm willing to bet, or listening, who are thinking about this. What would you say to somebody who said, Jason, tell me, let's not talk about the nuts and bolts of the licensing, but emotionally, what, what do I need to do to become prepared mentally and emotionally to become a foster parent? Um, I, I, I say this all the time in, in info night sessions, because um, I get asked that question regularly. Um, and my answer is always the same. Don't let fear stop you from changing the life of a child. Mm. Um, When we started doing this, we said, if we can change one child's life, this is all worth it for us. Uh, Seven years later, 20 kids, um, probably, I want to say, nine different families. Um, We've we've hopefully made an impact on each and every one of them. Um, Some of them, to this day, I still have contact with some of those foster children. We still have some of those families. I have one sibling group that we had four years ago who still call me on Father's Day and on my birthday. They come by, they'll have sleepovers with our kids. Um, they're just an extended part of our family now. Um, and so, but I was afraid for three years that I couldn't <laughs> do this. And and so that's my that's my answer is always, don't let fear stop you from changing you, life. You told me before we went on the air about a situation with some siblings that were almost split up. Mm-hmm. And you and your wife looked at each other and said, we can't let that happen. Yeah, so that's so we we advocate heavily for keeping siblings together. Uh, at, at the point at which these kids are coming into foster care, they've pretty much lost everything: their parents, their home, the rest of their family, their school, their friends. They're being removed from everything, and the last thing you want to do is say, "Okay, well, you can't be with your brother or sister either." So we really advocate for keeping siblings together, um, and in fact, that's one of the one of the bigger things that we do with Unity is. Um, last year alone, we provided 54 beds to, to, to foster homes where children were coming into care and they weren't prepared for the sibling, but they didn't want to say no. And, mm-hmm. and so we said, well, 
They said, we don't have a bed. Well, that's okay. We'll take care of that for you. And so the next day we would deliver a bunk bed, two mattresses and some, and some sheets for the, for the kids. So the kids, so that the siblings can stay together. Um, it is, it is a big deal. Um, and, and it's, it's a big deal in, in the emotional and psychological piece of this that they don't get split up. And so having homes that are open to that as well is really, really uh, crucial. And so we, we highly advocate that, that people take that in consideration as well. So if folks want to help financially, they go to unityfosterministries.org and you can donate, right? A absolutely. Right. So, so last year we provided uh, over 3,300 meals to foster homes and foster children throughout our community during wow. the pandemic. Um, we provided over, we provided 54 beds. We gave uh, 100 kids school supplies to start back school um, in August. And all of that is funded through people throughout our community. Um, We're a, a registered 501c3. Um, mm -hmm. So your, your donations are tax deductible. Uh, if you go to our website, there's a donation donation page um, and we have a couple different things going on. We have just regular donations. And then we also have our um, Unity 127 campaign um, that we that we have going this year as well. Um, to help us uh, further um, bring these these children and these families back together with their parents. You know, I have a good friend of mine who's an attorney up in Virginia, and he has five biological kids, and he's adopted four kids who uh, were at risk kids from another country, and mm -hmm. uh, he is just completely, uh, you know, uh, ecstatic about his experience and uh you know it sounds similar to what you've mm -hmm. uh, experienced it, it it really is life-changing um but it's life-changing in such a good way uh you don't think you don't think about it that way when you start doing this or when you when you agree to adopt a child but when you see their lives change and when mm -hmm. you see them changing as a person it it, it really does change you as well uh, and, and all in a good way and that's the one thing we, we, we tell people all the time is that these children, the 20 children who have been in, in our home over the last seven years, they've probably they've probably changed us and blessed wow. us more than we could have ever blessed them by, by being a foster parent. So. so one thing I wanted to ask you about, and we talked a little bit about this, too, because um, in the past I've worked with with juveniles in juvenile law. I was so impressed when I read your material, you know, about how part of your goal, a major part, is to work with the parents, work toward reunification, work to rehabilitate the parents. It can be tough to let go, I'm sure, as a foster parent. You know, you've been told all of a sudden after six months, your time's up. How do you deal with that? And how do you train new foster parents to be prepared for the fact that it may not be forever? Yeah. So, so the, the question that you, that you get asked all the time on the street is, well, won't you get attached? And the answer is always, if you're doing this right, you absolutely will get attached. Um, listen, we've we've fallen in love with every child who's come into our home. But you have to go into this with the mindset that I am here as a home to provide a safe, loving environment mm -hmm. for a period of time. This is not forever. Reunification is always 100 percent of the time the goal when these children come into care. It's 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 mending their family, helping them put their family back together with a stronger foundation than they came in with. That's always the goal. And so um, you just have to have that mindset. You just really have to have it. Uh, I feel like, um, you know, we as adults, um, I feel like we're equipped to deal with loss better than children are. And so, you know, we can talk it through. That's part of what, you know, you, you know, being a part of unity and, and having, um, you know, mentoring these foster homes and, and these parents coming in. That's one of the things we do is 
talk about it. You know, it, 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 this is this, this doesn't have to be this this clouded secret. Just just talk about it. It's it's difficult. It's like, I mean, the, the one child we had that, that left after 29 months was was like losing a child. She, we, she was with us from birth. Um, and it was like losing a child and it's difficult, but you talk it through, you work it through, and hopefully you've built a good enough relationship with the parents that when they are reunified, you still get to have that interaction. Like I said, I still have the ones who still call me on Father's Day and on my birthday, who still come by and say hi. And, and that's, that's really where you, you see the difference. Now, in addition to that, you've actually adopted some children, right? We have. We've adopted four. We adopted a sibling group. Um, and, um, it's, it's a, it's a really great story because we still get to work with their mother, um, and, and working with her and mentoring her to, to, to help her continue to turn her life around. Um, so that when these kids are old enough and they want to have a relationship, we're not going to tell them, no, this is, this is their mother. This is, this is their biological mm -hmm. you know, family. Um, and so, you know, she's still working to turn her life around so that when that time comes, she can have a relationship with them. Um, and, and we're super proud of her for taking the steps to do so. And so, you know, we, yeah, we did adopt uh, a, a fairly decent sized sibling group. Um, and so they're, they're now a permanent part of our family uh, and we couldn't be happier. We love them to death. Well, I, I'm just amazed at uh, your story. And uh, we want to thank uh, your wife, Amanda, for being you know, the go-getter. <laughs> Giving a little bit of a nudge. <laughs> being persistent enough to stick, stay on me. Uh, no, for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, without her, we wouldn't be here. And she is just, um, she's amazing, especially at the house with, we have, uh, we have a house full right now and, uh, she's just truly amazing. Um, so. Well, Jason, I, again, I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. The information you've shared with our viewers, our listeners is just incredible. Thank you. And I'd like to urge everybody out there to give some thought to the wonderful work they're doing at Unity Foster Ministries. Take a look at their website at unityfosterministries.org. Is there a telephone number? Um, there is. The 352-231-2424 um, is a way to reach. You can reach me directly at that number. Um, and, uh, yeah, check out the website. Uh, we have a lot of things going on right now, some things um, that, uh, you know, we have the Unity 127 campaign that uh, came about because of the pandemic, mm -hmm. um, trying to get visitation back in person with these parents and these children, something that no one thought about when we shut everything All down right. last March, that that also means that these parents and these kids can't see each other face-to-face. -face. And so um, that campaign is trying to put together a mobile visitation center to bring these children back in contact with their parents. A lot of them haven't seen their kids face-to-face in, -face in eight, nine months wow. now. Um, well, and so, I, I have an announcement for you, Jason, okay? <laughs> Melden Law is gonna do a $500 matching donation uh, oh, to wow. Unity, okay? So everybody who's listening here has to uh, go to unitedfosterministries.org and you, whatever you donate, Melvin Law will match dollar for dollar up to $500. Thank you so much, man. That, that's, that's tremendous. Thank okay, you. Okay, man. All right. Well, thank we you. really appreciate it. I'm really touched by everything you shared thank with you us. Thank you so much. You've been watching Melvin Law and Friends, a service of Melvin Law, a statewide law firm. We are in our sixth decade of operation. Jeffrey Meldon created this firm in Gainesville back in 1971. We have now expanded statewide with an office in South Florida covering the entire Tri-County area from Miami-Dade through Broward all the way up through Palm Beach. 
We've been in Ocala for 26 years, about to open a brand new office there. You say 26 years, Chris. It's actually a lot longer. All right. But, <laughs> well, tell us how long it's really been. Well, I started working back there in the uh, 1970s, okay? okay? I didn't have a full-time office All there. Right. But for 26 years, we've had a full-time office okay. there. Full but we've office. serviced Marion County for uh, 45 years or more. So anyhow, the exciting news for Meldon Law is that we are giving away four tickets to the Saturday opening weekend for Gay.